Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, South Coast Christian. We're so glad that you're here today. And if you're joining us online, we're so grateful that you're a part of our worship tonight or today, and, and we're, uh, it's going to be a great, great day. Uh, in this series, we've been talking about, we've been in a, to- a, a series called The Long Game, and it's basically a journey of faith. And it's basically, the whole idea of this is talking about our faith because it's impossible to please God without faith. Uh, to live a long game of life, it's essential that we have faith in our life. We've been concentrating mainly on Old Testament characters that are found in Hebrews chapter 11. And one of the names that is briefly mentioned, in fact, I mentioned and spoke about him just a couple weeks ago, just briefly. But one of the names mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 is the name of, of Gideon. And today I want to share with you uh, what his faith looked like and the lessons we can learn and apply to our lives. The story of Gideon is found in Judges chapter 6 through 8. So if you're watching with us right now, I encourage you to uh, pick up your Bibles or pick up your devices and turn to Judges 6 right now. And we're going to be using that as our text uh, to be referring back and forth to. Um, Judges 6 through 8. Gideon is the fifth judge of Israel following right behind Deborah. If you remember, we spoke about Deborah and Barak just a couple weeks ago. Well, Gideon is the judge that follows after Deborah. In the Old Testament, God would send judges to the Israelites as messengers for his word. Many times, God would use judges as military leaders to deliver the Israelites from the oppression that was happening from other countries. As you read Judges chapter 6, you discover that the Israelites are once again allowing doing evil things against God in the sight of the Lord. They're doing evil things. And so the Lord allowed Israelites to be ravaged, basically to be abused by the Midianites as consequences for their sins. It's kind of like what we would sometimes do as, as, as adults or as parents. All of a sudden, when our children misbehave, all of a sudden we ground them, we, we send them to the room. And basically, what God is allowing, he's taking his favor off of them. He's taking his hand of protection off of them. If they're not going to worship him, if they're going to worship all these other gods, and guess what? Here you go. This is what's going to take place. So this is a pattern that we see throughout the Old Testament. For seven years, the Israelites were invaded by the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the other neighboring countries that surrounded them. The Midianites were especially brutal. During harvest time, they would send their gangs, and they would come down into the harvest fields. They would come into the fields, and they would destroy all of the crops. And basically, they would take all the livestock that the Israelites had, and they would take their livestock as well, and they, let, they would leave the Israelites basically completely desolate. They had no food. They had no livestock. They, all their grain would be destroyed during this time. This would happen over and over and over again. It became so bad that finally the Israelites wouldn't be safe even in the farmland. And so they found caves up in the mountains where they would go and hide in just to get away from the Midianites and the Amalekites and all these other people that were attacking their lives. The Israelites had come to a place now where they were starving to death and they choose to cry out to the Lord for help. So the Lord, what the Lord was trying to do is to bring them back. Basically, that's what takes place where all of a sudden now the Israelites realize that they're going to starve to death if they don't turn back 
to the Lord. And I was thinking about this as I was preparing our message for today. I was thinking about it's how, it, how interesting it is that it takes so much punishment and difficulty for the human soul to finally surrender and cry out to God. It, it, it amazes me that, that it takes that much to, for all of a sudden for the human soul to return back to God. I want you to catch this thought today. Write this down because I think it will help you in your life. Helps me, helps me in my life. And I, this is something I remember on a regular basis. Pride is our greatest obstacle in life. Pride, P-R-I-D-E. Because pride interferes with God's design for our life. See, our pride, our desire for what I want to do always gets in the way for what God's purpose for my life is. The Israelites had finally reached their breaking point and they begged God to rescue them. And the Lord sent a prophet declaring that they must turn away from their wickedness of worshiping these false gods of the Amorites. It's during this time that Gideon steps into the picture. Now you maybe have heard about this great warrior Gideon. This warrior Gideon takes 300 soldiers and he battles 135,000 and he wins this great battle. But many times one of the things that we forget about this great military leader named Gideon is that he was a farmer that was hiding in a wine press because he was afraid of the Midianites. And I want to just bring that into our remembrance as I go into this passage of Scripture because I believe God has a powerful message for each and every one of us today. And I believe it can be life-changing if you're, allow, if you're willing to allow God to have your spirit into your heart and your mind and open up your mind and heart to the Word of God. And I want to just say a prayer right now as we begin because I want to set the table right now where you can eat, where you can receive from God. And I believe one of the ways we set the table is through prayer. So will you just bow your heads with me for just a moment? Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you that the power of your Holy Spirit is as real, Lord God, today as it was yesterday. That, Lord God, you are the same yesterday, yesterday today, and forever. You never change. And God, I pray today that our mind and our heart would be open to your word I pray that your word would jump off the page to our lives. I release the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I invite, I, I invite the power of your Holy Spirit to occupy every home, every place that is watching, to occupy the facility that we're sitting in right now, Lord God. Open up our minds to your word. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Let me read you the account of this story. Uh, we're going to go in Judges chapter 6. And we're starting at verse 11. Judges 6, verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But the Lord, but Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, 
and I am the least of my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Today I want to focus on three specific times where Gideon had to put his faith into action and follow God's leading. The first action of faith for Gideon was this, was the faith to believe in God's calling. And you can see that in the passage of Scripture that we just read. I love how the angel of the Lord addresses Gideon. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now remember, this is happening as Gideon is down in kind of like a round wine press. It would have been pretty deep because that's where they put the grapes and they would have crushed those grapes to make, uh, to make wine. And, and so he would have been down in there, but he's threshing wheat down in that wine press, hiding away so the Midianites can't see him. All of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears to him and says, hey, mighty hero of God. Now, I don't know if we're all of a sudden God sent down like the most sarcastic you know, angel from heaven to just all of a sudden to just kind of to just kind of needle a, a Gideon. What, what what's going on here? Because it doesn't seem like he's a mighty hero of God. I was thinking of the old guy that used to be a comedian, Don Rickles, and he used to always insult people for comedy. And it started feeling like, man, is God or is the angel of the Lord insulting Gideon at this point? Gideon doesn't seem to be any hero. He's a farmer hiding in a wine press. But see, here's the truth. The angel wasn't being sarcastic. The angel of the Lord was being prophetic. Here's a simple fact that we must get into our spirit. And I want you to catch this thought. When God calls, he's not looking at your past. He's not looking at your present. When God calls, he's looking at your future. When the angel of the Lord came and appeared to Gideon, he wasn't looking where he was currently at in that wine press and hiding away from the Midianites. He was looking at the hero that was going to lead the Israelites into battle and defeat the Midianites. It's like a sports coach, a football coach, a basketball coach, soccer coach who's recruiting a potential player. The coach might see all their faults that they currently have, but the coach is not really looking at those faults. The coach is looking for potential. The coach is looking at the future. He's looking at the athlete of what that athlete could be in the future. A great coach looks beyond past and even the present faults and looks at the potential of the player. That's what God does for you and for me. It's time for you to grab a hold of this truth. When God calls, he's not calling you out of your past. He's not calling you out of your present. He's calling you out to your future. Gideon had to believe that the Lord was calling him to be a mighty hero of God. Verse 14, the angel of the Lord stated, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Who was sending Gideon? The Lord was sending Gideon. Gideon immediately replied in verse 15. He says, But Lord... Catch this, because this is something you need to grab a hold of today. But Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least. I'm the least of my entire family. How am I going to be able to do this? You see, many times we identify ourselves to our past situation or to our present situation. 
Gideon's identify himself where he was at now instead of what he's going to be in the future. We allow our past and our present situation to di- dictate our future. But we need to step out in faith and allow the calling of God to dictate our future. Not what we have now, not what we was in the past, but when you are called by God, when God speaks into your life, you need to have the faith to grab a hold of that calling and step out and say, yeah, Lord, it's me. Let me go forth. It's what the Apostle Paul writes in, to the Corinthian believers. Basically, he was saying, stop evaluating one another from a human perspective. Stop that. Because our humanity has the propensity to put limitations on ourselves and on others. I'm going to say that again. Our humanity has the propensity to put limitations. I see it every day where we put limitations on one another. We put limitations on ourselves. That's humanity. Instead, Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. As followers of Jesus, God is calling us to step out in faith and believe in his calling. Who is God calling you to be? Who is God calling you to be? Catch this. I'm not asking what God is calling you to do. I'm asking, who is God calling you to be? There's a difference. You see, before you will be effective in the what, you must start believing in the who. You will never be effective in what God wants you to do if you don't believe in who God is calling you to be. we got to step out in faith and believe the word of the Lord. As followers of Jesus, we are called. We are called chosen. We are called beloved. We are called friend, masterpiece, treasured possession, heir to his kingdom, blessed, holy, and, and blessed and redeemed. That's what we're called. Let's continue into the rest of the story. I want to remind you once again, stop viewing one another from the limitation of humanity. And let's start seeing the spiritual potential in one another. The story continues in verses 17 through 24. And you can read, we're getting asked for a sign from God. The sign comes in the form of a, of a fire that completely consumed a sacrifice that Gideon had placed before the Lord. It's basically where we get that whole saying, I'm going to put the fleece out to the Lord. I'm going to put a fleece out to the Lord. This is where that saying comes from. It was such a powerful sign from God that Gideon built an altar to honor the Lord. Because when, when, when Gideon put out this wool fleece, he soaked it in water and, and, and God dried it. And it was such a powerful sign. Gideon said, here I know where the Lord is at. I'm going to build an altar to honor the Lord. With, that, with this sign, Gideon knew that it was God who was leading him. Now look at what happens next. We're going to read Judges chapter 6, verses 25 and 26. That night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Now catch that, seven years old, because they had been basically in persecution from all the Midianites, from everybody else for seven years. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using, uh, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. 
as you continue to read this story, you find out that the next morning the town people wake up and they found the altar of Baal is, is, is decimated. They find out the Asherah pole is cut down. And now all of a sudden there's a new altar that was built, this altar for the Lord. The people were so angry. The, the town people, when they woke up and they saw all this taking place, they were so angry they wanted to kill Gideon. But Joash, Gideon's father, steps in. He confronted the mob and he challenged them. He, he says this, he, he says, let Baal defend himself. Now, this is huge because Joash worshiped Baal. It says that in Scripture that Gideon's father, Joash, he's the one that worshiped Baal. He's the one that has these altars. And all of a sudden now, Joash, or, or Gideon takes and destroys this. And Joash stands in front of this mob and defends his son. He had to make a choice at that point. From this point on, Gideon was known as Jerubbabel which meant let Baal defend himself. Which brings me to the second action of faith that I want to highlight today, and that's faith to choose to be righteous. I shared on this a couple weeks ago as well. Choosing to be righteous even when it's unpopular. Choosing to stand in the midst of the peer pressure of culture. Choosing to do what is right no matter what. Tearing down the altar dedicated to Baal was a huge step of faith. Remember, what I just shared, Joash, this was Joash's altars. This is what Joash had committed. But Gideon knew that God is a jealous God. You see, if you're going to go into battle, and Gideon understood that he was going to go into battle against the Midianites, he was called by God, you mighty hero of God. And he's going to go into that battle. He can't have all this other stuff. All this other idols, all this other stuff that is being worshipped. He can't have that as a part of his life because he needs the power of God to go with him. The pulling down of the strongholds in your life is not an easy task. It wasn't for Gideon. It almost cost him his life. But that's what a follower of Jesus does. You see, a follower of Jesus elevates God above everything else in their life. God is number one. And no one's going to replace him. No one's going to take that position. And if anything tries to start creeping up that ladder into the position where you have God, you start tearing that thing down because God is going to remain number one in your life. That's what a follower of Jesus does. is choosing righteousness. And in doing so, the blessing and the anointing of God will fall down upon your life. The removal of the idols or strongholds from your life can give you the greatest return. As it signifies to God that your trust is in God and God alone. Many times the miracles of God are waiting upon choosing the right direction. Gideon chose right. I remember last year we took a missions trip to Fiji. And uh, several from our church went on this missions trip. And when we got there, one of the things that we were able to participate in was the cleansing of a home. It was basically a family who worshipped other gods besides Jesus, the one true God. They worshipped other gods, pagan gods. And they had made a commitment to Christ. And they invited the church to come into their home. And just, we as a church went into that home. And we took down all the idols that they had worshipped. We took down the altars that they had built. We took all that stuff and we put it outside of their home. And we took it away and we actually got rid of it. We destroyed it. We completely removed it out of their lives. So they would have no temptation to ever turn back. 
to the things of the past. You see, that's what Gideon did to his community. All of a sudden, he cut down the Asherah pole, that, that, that altar for, for Baal. He tore that down, and he used the, the wood from the Asherah pole to build an altar that celebrated the Lord. It's making a commitment. It's standing up for righteousness. I believe many times God is just waiting for us to take a stand. It's a choice each of us have to be willing to make, and it requires great faith. Let's continue to, to the battle scene. I love the battle scene. This is the best part. I love battles. I love movies with battles. I love Gladiator. I love all those things. And we're getting into the battle scene. And man, I'll tell you what now. A battle is one of the greatest opportunities for faith in your life when you're facing a battle. We're going to read Judges chapter 6, verses 33 through 35. Listen to these, these words. Soon afterward, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan, camping in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to the arms, and the men of the clan of Abizir came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. I encourage you to read the rest of the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 through 8, but I'm going to, just for the sake of time, I need to summarize what's happening here. In chapter 7, Gideon prepares to go into battle. Gideon starts off with 32,000 soldiers. You see, you read that scripture, what he basically did, he blew that horn and, and soldiers came his direction. And then he sent out messengers to say, hey, we're going to go into battle. And, and from different villages, all these soldiers gathered. And by the time it was all done, Gideon had 32,000 soldiers. So the Lord, but I want to share what takes place here. The Lord makes an interesting statement to Gideon. In chapter 7, verse 2, listen to these words. You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boost to, boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. So the Lord has Gideon reduced the number from 32,000 soldiers ready to go into fight. He reduces that number to 300 32,300, less than 1%. Less than 1%, all of a sudden, that's his army as he's going into battle. It's interesting the measures God takes for people to recognize his power. You would think that just creation alone would forever be a reminder of God's power. But God knew in the hearts of the Israelites, if he let them go in with the 32,000 soldiers and they defeated the Amalekites and the Midianites and all the kites out there, if, he, if they defeated them, they would take the glory for themselves. Look what we have done. God didn't want that to take place in their life. He wanted under, them to understand that it was his power that would be leading them. It was his power that would be rescuing them. It was his power. And so he stripped all that down from 32,000 soldiers. He took it down to 300. There's times in our lives we wonder why God is doing certain things. Why is God allowing some things? Because God wants us to turn back to him. And he's willing to strip everything else out of our our lives so that we can recognize his power in our life there is truth right there and you guys should be at home saying amen pastor tom on the chat line amen pastor tom scripture states this because 
all of a sudden God realizes that maybe Gideon's faith is not great enough to be able to accomplish what he's asking them to do. So scripture states that there were so many in the enemy camp that they looked like swarms of locusts. There's a, if you can imagine a valley, and, and Gideon can look down on that valley, and it is so filled with people that it looks like just a swarm of locusts down there. That's how many warriors that are coming against Gideon at this point. Remember, Gideon only has 300 warriors now. But that night, God prepares Gideon by leading him down into the edge of the enemy's camp. Gideon overhears a conversation between two of the enemy soldiers. One of, the, one of the men shared how he had a dream of a loaf of barley. It's the craziest dream. I don't know what he was eating that night. But he had a, a loaf of barley that came all of a sudden rolling down into the village. And, and it hit a tent and basically decimated that tent. Just destroyed that tent. The other man who was listening to this dream stated it can only be one thing. God is going to give Gideon and his army victory over us. This, this little army, and I don't know that they understood that it was down to 300, but they were still way outnumbered. Even if, even if Gideon had the 32,000, the Midianites and all of them were like 135,000. But all of a sudden, a rumor started spreading. Someone had a dream. Gideon's going to come in and his army, and they're going to destroy us. This is, a, this is all the encouragement that Gideon needed to hear. Now his faith is encouraged and he is ready to step into battle. He divided his 300 warriors into three groups. And he gives each one of his warriors these three items. A ram's horn, a clay pot, and a torch. He informs the warriors to go into three different locations around the camp. Basically, they're kind of surrounding the camp as best as they can. And he says, on my signal... You're going to blow the ram's horn. You're going to break your jars and hold up your torches and shout a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And it was about midnight, just after midnight, that all of a sudden Gideon gave the signal. And those men did exactly what Gideon had asked. They broke that clay jar. They blew, they blew the horn and they held up this torch. God caused such a confusion among the Midianites that they were sent into a panic mode and began to kill one another with their own swords. Those who were not killed, they, they retreated and tried to escape. Then Gideon sent his warriors after the Midianite army that was fleeing, and he killed their two greatest commanders. This action from Gideon required faith to trust in God's power. Many times in life, we want to trust in our resources. But God stripped all of Gideon's resources away so that he had no other option but to trust in God's power. It's a reminder for all of us, no matter what we face in life, no matter what our situation is, ultimately we are called to trust in God. Medical science is great, but it's not greater than God. Employment is a great resource. I'm grateful for employment. I'm sure you're great, but it's not greater than God. Education is great. So thankful for a great education. It can do so much for you. But guess what? Education is not greater than God. Gideon didn't trust in the numbers of his army. He was forced to trust in God's power. Look at the weapons of choice that, that God uses for this battle. A trumpet, a clay jar, and some candles. 
Now, it sounds like a wedding reception. It doesn't sound like a battle to me. It sounds like they're getting wedding, ready for a wedding reception. And all of a sudden, this is what they give to him is a, a clay jar, a, a candle, and, 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 a, and a ram's horn. Are you kidding me? This is what you're going to send me? In? I mean, if I was part of the soldiers of Gideon's and, and Gideon stands up and all of a sudden starts giving me this, I would have been thinking I'm getting punked right now. I mean, what's going on? Is there a camera around here? What's going on? Is someone filming this? But those were the weapons of choice. You see, this battle was not going to be won by human strength. This battle was going to be won by God's power. God created an impossible situation so that his power can be exalted. And I want to share with you right now, I've had this in my life over and over again, where I see an impossible situation, and I start to recognize the only reason I'm facing that is so that God's power might be exalted in my life. The three instruments taken into battle are interesting choices. The first one's a trumpet. Throughout the Bible, the trumpet, the ram's horn, same thing in the Old Testament. Throughout the Bible, the trumpet is used to announce God's power. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, when the last trumpet is blown, this is about the end times, when Jesus returns. When the last trumpet is blown, those who have died will be raised to, to, to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. On the battlefield that day with Gideon, and his 300 warriors. The ram's horn, the trumpet was herald, and the coming of the power of the Lord would destroy the Midianite army. The clay jar, the second weapon of choice, is something that is seen in Scripture as something that is fragile. Something fragile. But the contents can be very, very valuable. It represents God's choice of vessel. I'm going to share that with you again. A clay jar represents God's choice of vessel. As Gideon led his warriors into battle that day, the clay jars were most likely used to hide the torch or the candle, to hide the light. So when all of a sudden the signal comes, they break that clay jar to pieces because it's well, all of a sudden it's going to expose the light, that torch, and they're blowing that ram's horn, that trumpet. It's the announcement of the power of God that's coming in. The torch represents God's light, represents God's righteousness. It represents God's power. The light that has power to overcome the darkness. It's a penetrating light where dark places will be destroyed. Listen to this powerful verse that the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. It should resonate in your spirit so strongly right now. We now have this light shining in our hearts, the power of God. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power, power is from God and not from ourselves. You see, this is the whole thing that God was trying to show to Gideon and to the Israelites, that their power was not, had nothing to do about them. Their power had to do about His favor about his anointing upon their life. That day the Israelites realized their strength comes from God. God's power was released when those pots were broken. And I share with you today, 
a simple truth. If we're the vessel of choice, a clay pot, and God refers to us so many times in Scripture as a clay pot, you see, the power of God is not going to shine through our life until we come to a place where we're broken. And when we come to a place where we're broken, Paul writes, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Why is that? Because when we come into our brokenness, there is nothing more to rely on except for the power of God. The Gideon army, or Gideon's army, 32,000 down to 300. Maybe your checkbook went from 32,000 down to 300 bucks. And you're wondering, how in the world am I going to survive? I got a mortgage payment coming up. My electricity bill is more than that, Pastor Tom. How in the world am I going to be able to make it this week? How am I going to survive? And God is asking you, hey, you know what? Your power is not in your checkbook. Your power is in me. We start all of a sudden recognizing, this is just the world here. This is just humanity. There's, there is something greater than this that I can physically see. There is something that I should need to be, I need to spiritually see, and that is God Himself and His strength in and through our lives. It's a great reminder what God can do through us when we surrender our lives to Him, when we choose to follow Him, when we have enough faith to step out and to believe in the impossible. Gideon's situation was impossible, but man, I'll tell you what, and I say this over and over in our church, each and every week, with things that we see as impossible as man, with God, all things are possible. This week, I want you to go on this week recognizing that whatever you face, whatever situation you might come into, guess what? God can overcome and he can be your victor. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.